SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour three, it's happy hour on the morning after on SportsGrid. Thanks for tuning in on SiriusXM channel 204. We also have our brand new audiences joining us from all of you next star local stations. So thanks for joining us today. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. This is our West Coast wake up. A lot of people just waking up with us out there on the West Coast. And last night we saw the Atlanta Braves in action up against the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers were heavy favorites between minus 170, minus 180 on the money line. The Dodgers do cash despite the Braves getting out to a 2-0 start early. The Dodgers end up winning 3-2. The Braves are still really good on the run line. That was one of my bets yesterday, plus one and a half on Atlanta. In all four starts for Charlie Morton in the second half of the season, he has gone and hit this plus one and a half if he were, in fact, to have been given those runs in all four road starts since the All-Star break. Also, when it comes to Charlie Morton's strikeout props yesterday, he ends up going over his six and a half strikeout prop with eight strikeouts. Mm. The thing with the Dodgers, they have one of the lowest K rates in baseball overall this year, seventh lowest K rate against right-handers. However, in the last 30 days... The Dodgers actually have the 10th highest strikeout rate. They are striking out more. Ben, Dodgers, Braves, you're a Dodgers guy. What? This game was pretty close until the end. It was a great game. And for a lot of the trends that you laid out right there, one of the K-props I highlighted, highlighted yesterday was Charlie Morton to go over that six and a half with plus money to the over. He certainly did that with eight strikeouts against a good Dodgers lineup. But Ariel, I think the story out of this game and a story that will have ramifications for the National League West is that with the win over the Atlanta Braves yesterday and the Dodgers in their last 23 games are 19-4, and four, one of the hottest teams in baseball, Because the Giants lost to the Brewers once again, the Dodgers now just a half game back of the San Francisco Giants for that top spot in the National League West. And that is reflected even more so in the odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Dodgers now even heavier favorites in that odds-on category to win the division on FanDuel. LA minus 185 SF plus 130 to win the National League West. They are only a half game behind the Giants now and we know what happens this weekend. A battle by the bay between San Francisco and Los Angeles. The Giants in the Dodgers in San Fran. It is going to be must-watch television at the Major League Baseball level. Now, Ariel, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but the FanDuel Sportsbook has put up a new market when it comes to MLB. It is a series winner market for a lot of the series that will take place across the MLB slate this weekend. One of those series, unfortunately, does not have a series price as of yet. The Dodgers and the Giants, maybe over the next couple of days, we'll get that after the Giants wrap up this series against the Brewers and after the Dodgers finish this series against the Braves. Could it be a flip? Could L.A. finally take over that top spot in the NL West before they head up to San Francisco this weekend? It's funny. I was waiting for this market to happen at some point. I thought there should have been a series market presented to us. It makes sense if you look at some other things. I mean, when you look at the NBA and you had the playoffs where they were able to, you were able to bet on series prices. Major League Baseball, you're able to bet on series prices in the playoffs. Why not bring that into Major League Baseball, especially for some games that have some winning You have a lot of uh, teams that really need to win these games, these series, actually, like you mentioned with San Francisco and L.A., We're not done with this series yet between the Braves and the Dodgers, though. And there's a really interesting stat that Ralph Michaels, who you can find him at Cal Sports LV on Twitter, 
He presented a really interesting stat about this series. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience, third final hour here on the morning after Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. It is the West Coast Wake Up, and we're talking about the Braves and the Dodgers. Ralph Michaels' tweet today says, you look at the unders in both teams' last 15 game logs. The Dodgers, six straight unders. They're 2-12-1 and over under in the last 15. So 2-12-1 and to the under. Atlanta, 1-8 and to the under in their last nine games. Last night's game was 3-2. to These have been lower scoring. And the game tonight, 7.5 is the total. And Ralph, I tweeted at him. I said, 7.5, pretty low total. Is that good enough still for an under? He says, oh, yeah, it's not low enough yet. He says, look at the year-by-year totals of 7.5 or less, except for the no-fans COVID season. Seven and a half or less, forty-two percent over under. So forty-two percent to the over. So every every year, it's in the low forties to the over, which means that it's more profitable on a seven and a half to hit an under. Seven and a half, Atlanta and LA tonight, Ben. Still could be an under game. Absolutely. So when you look at the Dodgers this year, playing fifty-four point four percent of their games to the under, they have the third highest under percentage at home at Dodger Stadium this year at nearly 59%, 58.7 to be specific. Now, the Atlanta Braves are a team that has an even split right now, four games where they play to the over and the under, 50% even across all games this year, a very high over percentage at home in Atlanta at 59.3%. But as the road team this year, that number drops drastically for the Atlanta Braves, the third highest under percentage on the road at 58.5%. In fact, that's tied for the highest under percentage with all teams in Major League Baseball, that including the Cubs, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the San Francisco Giants at 58.5%. So you have a team that plays the third highest unders at home in the LA Dodgers and a team with the Atlanta Braves who is tied for the highest under percentage on the road at 58.5%. Although the total is one of the smaller you will see on a Major League Baseball card at 7.5%, I still think, Ariel, with a great pitching matchup of Max Fried and Max Scherzer tonight, a battle of the Mad Maxes, that we still could be in line for an under at Dodger Stadium. There is one game today uh, that I cannot wait to talk about in a few seconds because I'm just, I can't even focus. I was looking at it, I bet it this morning, right before the show, because I couldn't believe this team was a dog. And it has flipped crazy. So we'll talk about that in a few segments. But coming up next, we're going to talk hard knocks. NFC East, Dallas Cowboys with Brady Tinker. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show now, Brady Tinker. He covers the Dallas Cowboys and he has the storytelling podcast called A Cowboy Life. You can check it out on all different platforms. Brady, we only have a couple of hard knocks to talk about left. So next week's going to be the last one. This week, we did see last night that, well, First of all, we got the news of Ben DiNucci not on the show, but we heard that the quarterback is no longer with the team. However, I want to start with what stood out to you last night in Hard Knocks. What was it? Well, I liked the brief interaction between Tavon Diggs and Amari Cooper, where Diggs said, you're not catching any balls in this drill. 
And of course, Amari Cooper's feet, which we wanted to see with this ankle injury, were magic. And he they completed a couple of very tough throws. But I love that Diggs said, you're getting nothing. And I love that Amari responded saying, good luck. Uh, that's good for the team. That's good for both of those players. That I love. I loved Pylon Prescott. Did you guys hear this? So there's love a drill that... that, that yeah, there's a drill that they do where they're throwing the football, quarterbacks throw the football at the pylons. That Now, what they used to do was they would stand back 30 or 40 yards and they would throw it at the crossbar in the end zone. That was a Romo thing along with Jason Garrett. Now they've changed it to this pylon thing. But I love that Dak said, I'm just telling you guys right now, I'm going to put that into, into motion and I'm going to make millions. I'll be a millionaire. And I thought... I'm pretty sure you're good already. Uh, if, if your contract is shortened to its shortest extent, it will be three years and 130 million. So he's not hurting for money, but I thought that was great. And then, you know, Kamara and Isaac Alarcon's mothers are certainly a great feature. And it reminds all of us, the NFL stands for not for long. Uh, injuries, uh, if you're not good enough, what have you, uh, brutal stuff. But it looks like Alarcon, while he got cut, because of the international aspect and the, and the way that he's come up, there are 14 guys doing that in the NFL. The Cowboys can probably retain him and put him on the practice squad. And then as, as of now, Zura Kamara, the kid who grew up on the Ivory Coast, is going to make this team. So obviously we know his mother's very happy. So overall, I'm bored with it, and, and I kind of wish it was over. I, I'm shocked that the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones have given us a boring hard knocks, but they sort of have. Brady, I have to agree with Dak Prescott. If he were to charge $39.99 for touchdown tailgate, as he has coined it, I would certainly spend that money and use it prior to football games this upcoming fall. But, Brady, I think one of the things that was highlighted throughout Hard Knocks, and they made the point of it last night, it was a little bit of a somber mood because they had not been winning in the preseason. And thanks to a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, they actually played four preseason games, did the Cowboys, when you go back to the Hall of Fame game, and all four resulted in losses. Is there any sense that there might not be the greatest momentum now heading into the regular season? Maybe a little bit. And, and I'm certainly, as a person who covers these guys, worried about that a little bit. I'm sort of on both sides of the fence. Yes, McCarthy is underwhelming me. They lost the last game of the year last year, which they could have got into the playoffs and they couldn't beat the Giants. So they're dragging that with them. And now they lost all four preseason games. Um, winning and losing those games isn't supposed to matter. But we talked early in the year and there was a game there I thought they really needed to win and the Houston game and they didn't do that either. So I'm teetering on that. But then on the other hand, Dak has lifted me up so much and the health of nearly every prominent important player on this team is absolutely at this point thumbs up so those things have me thinking to myself well I think there's enough leadership on this team with Demarcus Lawrence on the defensive side and Dak on the offensive side and a lot of guys really committing this year maybe like I've never seen them commit to their bodies their minds etc cetera, etc cetera, that that maybe a boring hard knocks is a good thing because it's an indicator of where the players on this team are uh, if they go oh and two out of the box they could make a quick switch. It's a long season, and the head coach is probably already here in Dan Quinn. Now, I want to talk about this season because they have a really tough test week one against one of the best defenses in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You were talking to us in the commercial break about how you believe that this Dallas offense can put up a ton of points and just outscore opponents, even if their defense is yep. a little shaky. How well do you see this Dallas team performing next week against a really tough defense in Tampa? Next week is probably the game I'm most worried about uh, because of the opponent, 
because Tom Brady has his guys extremely ready, he's even been talking some S about the Cowboys, uh, which is probably good for those that are around him in Tampa. So I'm worried about that. And I also, the one thing we haven't seen, as much as I believe in this team, and I think this team might score 40 a game, Dak Prescott hasn't played a game yet. And he had an ankle that when he looked down at it, he tried to fix it, and he realized it was pointed that way. Those kinds of injuries, almost nobody has recovered from that injury. Almost nobody. And those that have played, Alex Smith, wasn't the same. So all of us are assuming that since he's young and strong as a bull, that he's going to be fine, that you see him rolling around. And I do believe he thinks he's fine. But how will he feel when those big guys from the front four of Tampa are on him? When Indomitian Sue is at his ankles, how's he going to do? So I think week one is a real, real test for the quarterback. So I know that Brady, we have to get something fixed right now on the technical end of things, but I know that Brady was talking about Dak Prescott and the success he believes that this offense is going to have because not only is this offense, do they have so many weapons, this is the kind of team where when it comes to fantasy football, when it comes to uh, receiving yards props, I don't want to bet on anyone on this team. I don't know who Dak Prescott's going to throw to. CeeDee Lamb is probably my favorite sleeper of these wide receivers Amari Cooper's the big name, but the question's really going to be about who's going to be Dak Prescott's go-to receiver this year. That's going to be the issue on my end when it comes to props. Offensively, I could see this offense stepping up and being a lot better, obviously, than last year with a bunch of backup quarterbacks. I'm more concerned about the defense. Now, Brady, the defense is where I'm concerned about getting actual wins, maybe even covering spreads. The Atlanta Falcons last year had a high-flying offense, a team that could put up points. Their defense was blowing games in every fourth quarter. How much do you see the Cowboys' defense being their Achilles' heel? Well, it certainly will be the weakness of the defense. I don't think there's anything about any doubt about that. I'm also, if you want to throw in another worry, worried about the kicking game. Greg Zerline basically didn't kick any field goals until a week ago, and then he tried a field goal last week from 56 yards, and I guess the Cowboys were celebrating because he hit it 60, even though he missed. So that's a worry as well. But the defense got lots better and has impact players at linebacker. Micah Parsons, Keon O'Neal, Jabril Cox are all additions to this team or, or relatively new guys on this team that will make a massive impact here. And so Leighton Vander Esch's health, while it's a big deal, is not the end-all, beat-all, nor Jalen Smith. They, they have impact athletes and players at linebacker. Now, how much can they use those? to slow down defenses. I have a feeling this is going to be a bend, don't break defense. They're going to have safety saying, you play safety for a reason. Back the hell up. Don't let people get long plays. We can score lots of points. So I'm not sure if I answer the question. I am worried about the defense, but if they can finish 22nd, it still might be good enough. Brady, only about a minute left here. And like you mentioned, Micah Parsons can be an impact, impact player right away. He is the favorite right now to win Defensive Rookie of the Year on FanDuel at 6-1. to one. The Cowboys are 30-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. And we can get into this in later weeks. But do you think there is value there? Again, we only have about 45 seconds left. I'll try and keep it short. Yes, I think there's true value in 30-1 to one at the Cowboys. If everything goes right, and don't, darn near every team in the NFL says that, if everything goes right... This is a really dangerous team that secondary and linebacker positions could continue to get better through the year. And maybe they're the 15th best defense by the end of the year when things get really important. So 30 to 1, I'll take some of that. 
Brady, the one person I would bet on is definitely Micah Parsons' mom and her cooking. That mac and cheese looks <laughs> bomb, and that's all I want right now. Brady Tinker, make sure to catch him on A Cowboy's Life and his storytelling podcast. It's all the same thing, and he's going to do some great stories, I'm sure, for throughout the season, talking about the Dallas Cowboys players, things that you don't get to see on TV. You don't see it during the game. It's all off the field. Brady, thanks so much for coming on with us. We'll see you next week. Ariel and Ben, great to see you guys. You too, Brady. Coming up next, we are going to go through the Major League Baseball card. I know it's September. It's really exciting because it's football season. Major League Baseball is hitting its best point of the year. We've got teams fighting for spots in the playoffs. I cannot wait for the Major League Baseball postseason. And we're going to talk, though, about some of these really important games today and where we can find an edge. Stay right here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out on social media, especially on Twitter. Go to SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV. We have two different accounts. You can see any videos you may have missed from the shows. We've got our best bets of the day and early leans. Some great analysis, too. Follow us at SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV on Twitter. Time to go to Major League Baseball, which means we're going to the props. It's time for K-Props. I really loved what mid-major Matt's analysis was on this Chicago Cubs and Minnesota Twins game. The Cubs have had the most strikeouts in baseball for the second half of the season, striking out over 30% of the time. Now, looking at the, the player strikeout props, we don't have anything on FanDuel for Joe Ryan. His strikeout prop in other places is three and a half. If Ryan is the strikeout pitcher that Matt was alluding to when he was talking about AAA baseball, then I'm fine with it against a team that's been struggling, a team like the Cubs that's out of the playoff race, a team that was selling everyone, a team that strikes out more than anyone else in baseball. I'm going to take advantage of a low number just because he's coming out of AAA. Three and a half is the number that I would target. Go for Joe Ryan against the team that has the highest strikeout rate in baseball, Ben. That's probably my favorite strikeout right of the day. I mean, if you're talking about a team that is striking out 30% or even more because against lefties, it goes all the way up. But I mean, a team that's striking out more than 30% of the time in the second half of the season and continuously through the second half of this week or for the past two weeks, I should say, that is a I mean, put that into perspective, right? If you have 27 at bats at the very bare minimum of a Major League Baseball game over a course of nine innings, 30% of that is somewhere around nine. So you're going to go over, and if you give me a K-prop of a pitcher at three and a half, just the average would dictate, even if he's not a strikeout pitcher, even if he's not the best, even if he's not going to be a Cy Young contender in a couple of years coming up from the minor league level, still, you would have to think just based on the sheer amount of times that the Chicago Cubs strike out, you're going to have the opportunities to go over that number of three and a half. Another team that has been striking out a ton in the second half of the season, Ariel, is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Since the All-Star break, they have the second highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching at 25.8% over the past two weeks. Also the second highest mark in Major League Baseball at nearly 27%. So even up more here as of late. 
They are facing you, Darvish, of the San Diego Padres today in a day game out in the desert, 3.41 p.m. Eastern time, a little before 2, out there in Phoenix. Now, you, Darvish, is an interesting guy. He has been really, really good throughout his Major League Baseball career, was one of the marquee signings the San Diego Padres made heading into this season. And early on, you, Darvish, was pretty darn good. But he has battled some injuries here as of late in the last two months and has not been the normal you, Darvish, that we can expect. His strikeout prop today against the D-backs is at 6.5 on FanDuel, plus 114 to the over, minus 144 to the under. He is only over this number of 6.5 for you, Darvish, in two of his last six starts. In his most recent start, after a small stint on the IL, you, Darvish, had six strikeouts against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Against the Los Angeles Dodgers excuse me. So you have the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have been striking out nearly 27% of the time in the last two weeks against you, Darvish, who had six strikeouts against the Dodgers team that's also been striking out a bunch. I think you, Darvish, can go over this number of six and a half with some plus money to make it even that much more enticing against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's funny because the props that I was looking at to target some unders on, they won't post them on FanDuel because these numbers have to be so low. I was looking around the market just to see what everyone else was having, and I was seeing two and a halfs on both these pitchers. Uh, Not even three and a halfs, two and a halfs. Matt Harvey, Willie Peralta, these two pitchers. This is Matt Harvey of the Orioles going up against Tampa Bay, and or excuse me, against Toronto. And then you have Willie Peralta of the Detroit Tigers going up against the Oakland Athletics. Toronto and Oakland have a bottom five K rate this year. And Toronto in the last, uh, against right-handed pitchers, second lowest K rate. The last 30 days, Toronto has the lowest K rate. I was looking because if you look at what Matt Harvey's doing, he's averaging three strikeouts per game against team with a bottom 10 K rate against righties. I would love any under three and a half. I would have bet that. They're giving us two and a halfs, which is just lunacy. Same thing for Willie Peralta of the Detroit Tigers going up against the Oakland Athletics. Oakland has the fifth lowest strikeout rate against right-handers and the fifth lowest strikeout rate overall this year. Willie Peralta against teams with a bottom 10 K rate against righties is averaging two strikeouts per game. If I had to take an under, I'd probably go Peralta, but the problem is the unders are still so heavily juiced to an under two and a half. Ben, these numbers are so low already, and even on FanDuel, they won't even give it to us. It's crazy. An under two and a half with the under having heavy juice is quite outstanding when you think about what that means for a Major League Baseball game. That would be a sweat I do not want to have. That's why I look at the overs today. And another over I look at is Chris Sale, the starter for the Boston Red Sox, in the game against the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, the Rays are one of the hottest teams in all of baseball. They have won nine straight games. But the Rays overall this year have the third highest strikeout rate against left-handed pitching at 26%. 11th highest since the All-Star break at 22.9%, coming down by a couple of percent points, even more so in the last two weeks. And that makes sense. They've won nine straight games over the course of the past week and a half leading into these last two weeks at only 20.6% strikeout rate against left-handed pitching. But Chris Sale himself has been fantastic since returning to the Boston Red Sox after missing more than two years due to injury. He is 3-0 with a 2-3-5 ERA in his three starts since returning to this Red Sox starting rotation. And as we know with Boston right now, due to a COVID outbreak on their team, they are being hit hard in the bullpen staff. So I think Alex Cora is going to be asking a lot out of Chris Sale in this start tonight against the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's a Boston team that needs to continue to keep keep pace 
to hold on to that second and final AL wildcard spot. You're going up against a Rays team that has not struck out a ton over the last couple of weeks, and I get that. And Chris Sale's number might be a little bit inflated at 7.5. The over has plus money, a slight bit of plus money at plus 106. Chris Sale has gone over this number of 7.5 in two of his three starts since returning to the Red Sox. He had eight both of those times. So not substantially over, but still over. If I had a lean for this game for Chris Sale, I would look to the over of his K-prop of 7.5 against the Rays today. You can have your strikeout prop. I am fading this Boston team. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Rays money line. It's probably my best bet. In fact, I asked my friend to place it for me early this morning at plus 106. It's now minus 116. This line flipped like crazy. This is the game I was alluding to in the opening segment of this hour. This line has flipped incredibly into Tampa Bay's direction. The Rays are 7-1 straight up against the Red Sox at home this year in Tampa. Also, the Rays have the best bullpen ERA in all of baseball. They have the third best bullpen ERA in the last couple of weeks. The Red Sox, they actually have one of the worst bullpen ERAs in the last few weeks, ranking 24th in Major League Baseball. I also just don't like the way that this Red Sox team's been playing versus Tampa Bay, who's on a nine-game winning streak. I've got so many stats on this game that it's probably going to bore everyone, but Drew Rasmussen's getting the start, and he hasn't allowed more than one run in a game this month. Tampa Bay, uh, a 2.87 ERA out of the bullpen. Boston, 4.73. Chris Sale, yeah, he's been great. But, Ben, do you see who he's played? Baltimore, Minnesota, and Texas. Mm. Every team that's the last place team in the American League for each of their respective divisions. Could Chris Sale be great today? Sure. What am I going to say? Well, I'm going to say that Chris Sale has been overvalued by the marketplace because Xander Bogarts went on the uh, COVID list yesterday for the Red Sox. And they were still plus 106 today, Tampa. They were looking at Chris Sale, the odds maker, saying, oh my gosh, he's pitched so well. He's played the three worst teams in the American League. Give me the Rays on the money line today, Ben. That's my best bet of the day. I can't believe the Rays even opened up at any plus money price as they are the best team in the American League, the second best team in all of Major League Baseball. In fact, the record might have overtaken the San Francisco Giants at this point. They have an eight-game lead in the AL East. They are on a nine-game winning streak, and at home, they have a plus money price. I know I just backed Chris Sale on his strikeout prop. What you said there scares me a little bit. I knew who the three opponents were, but I just think Chris Sale has been very, very good in his return that being said, I don't know anymore if I'm feeling the over of the strikeout prop. As we always do say, though, a strikeout prop can hit. It can go over, and a team can still lose a game. And the Rays could even score a couple of runs today against Chris Sale or then into that bullpen if they get to that point against the Boston Red Sox. In fact, Tampa Bay has the second highest over percentage of all teams in Major League Baseball at 57.6% this year. The total for this game, because Chris Sale is on the bump, is only at 7.5%. The two times, both of the first two games of this series would have been over this number of seven and a half. It was 8-5 yesterday between the Red Sox and the Rays. The Rays team total, in fact, is three and a half. I mean, Tampa Bay has been the best offense in Major League Baseball since the All-Star break. We know how prolific they can be. I have said I am picking the Tampa Bay Rays to win the American League pennant. Give me all that plus 350 right now to win the AL pennant. Somehow, some way, so the third shortest odds to do so. So, Ariel, I echo all of your points. It scares me a little bit off the Chris Sale strikeout prop of going over 7.5 because the number I already thought was slightly inflated, but I think that's a very astute cap you have made there for today's game between the Rays and the Red Sox. 
Yeah, not buying Chris Sale yet. Let's see what he does today against Tampa Bay. My last bet of the day, it's the Detroit Tigers under today against the Oakland Athletics. The Tigers have the second most uh, home unders in baseball this year, hitting the under at just under 61%. Looking at the starting pitching today, you've got James Caprillion up against Willie Peralta. Peralta's ERA is actually really low compared to on the road. He's got an ERA over four on the road, but just a 1.93 ERA when pitching at home. Caprillion's been good, too, against bad teams. And when you look at the offense for Detroit at home, they've been struggling in the last couple of weeks. In the last 30 days, Detroit's averaging just over three runs per game when playing at home. That's why, between the Tigers struggling offensively, Tigers have a good bullpen if Peralta can't go deep. They have a tenth, the 10th tenth, uh, best ERA out of the bullpen. Then you've got James Caprillion on the other side. I'm going to say under the total today for Detroit. Coming up next, we're going to talk tour championship in the PGA with Cam Rogers. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We welcome in our PGA analyst, Cam Rogers, to break down the Tour Championship. Cam, it's such a weird layout nowadays, the way that it is in Tour Championship. How does that change the way you handicap the event? Hey, guys. Great to be with you, as always. Yes, this is one of the more unique tournaments on the PGA Tour, and this segment right here, right now, has never been more important, guys, because you have the starting stroke situation, you have a no-cut situation, only 30 players playing in this event. It's kind of like a match play where you really have to dial down on things, and here's the situation. There is already a leader. Patrick Cantley is the leader at 10 under par. That's how we're starting this thing. And then Tony Finau is at eight, Bryson DeChambeau at seven, and then John Rahm at six. I am so in on outright bets this week because essentially you can whittle this field down to five maximum players who can actually win this tournament this week. I'm talking about Cantley, Finau, DeChambeau, Rahm, and Cam Smith. That's it. Anybody at four under par or up, really has no shot at winning this event this week in terms of incorporating the starting strokes. Now, the fun thing about FanDuel Sportsbook is that you can bet outright without the starting strokes as well. So as if everybody is starting on an even playing field. So you can still do that, but I love actually betting outright with the starting strokes applied as well this week. So that's the fun part about the Tour Championship here. So, Cam, the Tour Championship, as it always is, at Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta. What are some of Cam's keys for the golfer who will dominate this course? This is a classic Donald Ross second-shot golf course, guys. 7,300 yards, par 70. Par 4 scoring is going to be absolutely critical this week. Ten of the past 11 winners have ranked 15th or better on the PGA Tour in terms of par 4 scoring. And obviously that makes sense, right? Because par 70, more par fours, you got to be really good on those holes to win at East Lake. So looking at guys like John Rahm and Justin Thomas, these guys historically this year have been so good on par four. So I'm really keying in on that. And then if you are betting outright without the starting strokes, right? You want to go right to immediate recent form. Who's really good with the ball striking? Who's making a lot of birdies right now? 
somebody like an Eric Van Royen, who is coming in blistering hot. Daniel Berger, whose ball striking is fantastic right now. He could be that top guy, not incorporating the starting stroke. So it's going to be a fun event, guys. East Lake is also a course that we see every year at the Tour Championship. So course history, course form, if you will, is certainly something to look at as well. Cam, I always love that you give us prop plays. One of the prop plays you're looking at is Rory McIlroy at plus 210, Group C. Why do you believe Rory's going to have a successful weekend? Yeah, let's talk about Rory McIlroy. He's somebody who's coming in with really good form in terms of his tee to green game. Off the tee in particular, that driver is really starting to come around. And I'm really in on the group betting this week, too, because... What FanDuel has done is really just clump all together guys who are close in terms of their starting stroke. So Rory is right there around DJ and Answer and Xander Shoffley. Rory is plus 210 to make it happen. Look, the toughest one for me is him going against Abraham Answer. I think Answer is one of the better players on the PGA Tour right now, right? We're talking about immediate recent form. DJ, he's just good, but I don't know if he can surpass Rory McIlroy this week. And then Xander Shoffley has sort of faded ever since the Olympics, guys, when he won the gold medal. So I like Rory McIlroy a lot in that spot. I think he's worth a sprinkle in terms of the outright market without the starting stroke. So big fan of Rory this week. So Cam, like you mentioned, I think this week is very interesting when you look at the outright winner's board because it is a small field. Because you start in that staggered stroke environment, this might actually be the week to look at the outright winner's market. And the two guys with the shortest odds are John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay, who won last week at the BMW Championship, both at plus 380. So when you compare those two favorites right now, Cam, who do you give the edge to? Yeah, I'm going to say right here, right now, that I am fading Patrick Cantlay this week. He doesn't peg me as the kind of guy who wants to be talked about going into a tournament, who wants to sit on that lead, especially when he's sitting on a lead and hasn't actually performed a stroke on the golf course yet. You know what I mean? He's a fly-under-the-radar kind of guy. John Rahm, meanwhile, has been number one in the world for quite some time, a reigning U.S. Open champion. Everybody is talking about him. I love him where he's at, at plus 380, as you talked about, Ben. Six straight worldwide top tens, finished fourth at East Lake last year. And four shots back really isn't all that bad. If you are fading Patrick Cantlay like I am, I think maybe he backpedals a little bit to start things off tomorrow. And then the floodgates open for Bryson, Finau, and Rom. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to just sprinkle some money down on Finau, Shambo, and Rom and See what happens, because honestly, it's a one in four chance of getting it outright right this week. Honestly, maybe one in five if you're factoring in Cam Smith there at five under par. But I'm a big fan of John Rahm this week, guys. I haven't talked about him too much in terms of the outrights lately because his number has been so short. But when you factor in the starting strokes, plus 380, I'm all in on John Rahm. This is his FedEx Cup playoffs to lose. Here on the screen, you'll see Bryson DeChambeau at 5-1, to one, tied. Uh, he has the third shortest odds to win this event. Last week was one of the biggest choke jobs that I've seen out of a golfer. He had, this, he had the event last week, and then Cam, he chokes in sudden death. How are you going to take what Bryson DeChambeau did last week and use it to cap this week? Yeah, so I'm actually looking at Bryson DeChambeau in terms of the outright market without the starting strokes. By the way, guys, I had that Bryson video clipped up from last week, ready to fire it off on Twitter, talk about how I hit an outright in golf, and boom, 
lo and behold, that happens. That's just my luck, right? But hey, in terms of Bryson right now, he's just riding an incredible birdie-making ability. He gained over eight strokes with his driver last week, which is the most on the PGA Tour from anyone within the last three years. So he is really zoned in right now. You know, there's something to what happened last week, Ariel. There's no doubt about it, especially when he easily got distracted by Patrick Cantley just walking on the golf course. And then you see this news story from the PGA Tour yesterday, how you can't yell Brooksy to him or you'll be thrown out of the golf tournament. Are we serious right now? Like Colin Montgomery back in the early 2000s used to get heckled by uh, – New York fans and Sergio Garcia too. And there was no policy back then. And I'm not going to go on a tangent about how silly this whole thing is. That is all to say that I like Bryson DeChambeau a lot this week in terms of the outright without the starting stroke. So that's 10 to one as we stand. I think that's a pretty good number. So it only makes sense to me that he continues this birdie streak right now. Cam, this is a very interesting handicap this week, and you are one of the best golf handicappers when it comes to the props. Maybe you didn't hit Bryson in the outright last week, but one of your Group C bets, Patrick Cantlay at plus 230, certainly hit. So where do you look this week in some of those group betting and prop positions? Yeah, talked about Rory McIlroy there in Group C. Let's talk about Group B as well. Justin Thomas, plus 185 to take down the following players. Sam Burns... Jordan Spieth and Cam Smith, three very volatile players, and also some of them, Spieth and Smith in particular, are starting to go in the wrong direction. So I'm willing to hedge my bets on Justin Thomas, who's starting to find that iron game yet again. So I like that play a lot. Group D, Brooks Kepka is plus 320. By the way, these group bets, if you will, all factor in the starting strokes, but they're all pretty close together. Brooks is plus 320 over... Uh, Colin Morikawa, Harris English, and Victor Hovland. Morikawa has an injury right now, guys, and I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. I think he needs next week off and what have you to get better. Something's going on with that back. Harris English is uninspiring to me this week, and then Victor Hovland will be a tough one to beat out, but I think Brooks Kepka can get that done. And then finally, top South African is really interesting this week. It's Eric Van Royen. Or it's Louis Eustazen. Louis Eustazen is like minus 270 the last time I checked. Van Royen right now is plus 180. I like that play a lot. Another injury concern, Louis Eustazen has a neck issue or something like that. He's starting to fade a little bit as well. Meanwhile, Van Royen is coming in blistering hot. He was number one tee to green last week at the BMW Championship. One of only three players to start the playoffs outside the top 30 and then get inside the top 30. So that means big-time momentum. I'll take EVR there. Cam, I always love, and we're here with Cam Rogers breaking down the PGA Tour Championship. I always love that you take us to a different country all the time. Every week you say someone from their respected country is going to have the leading score. Who is that this week? Yeah, how about we talk about top American? Let's do it. Bryson DeChambeau. I think he is the guy this week, guys. And again, we're factoring in the starting strokes as well, which helps you make this decision. And I'm just riding the hot momentum that he has in terms of his birdie-making ability, how fantastic he is off the tee. Again, I'm going to go back to the playoff last week. I think maybe fatigue could be a concern. We're talking about six extra holes there last week at the BMW Championship, and then you're traveling all the way down to Atlanta but overall, though, I really am in on Bryson DeChambeau this week. I could see Tony Finau backpedaling, especially after the win recently. I could see Patrick Cantley, again, fading big time. 
again, John Rahm could win, but Bryson could be that top American. So I like that play there this week. This is the week to go top American because there are less golfers. <laughs> so Cam, I think this is a difficult week because of the staggered start to bet match bets. What do you advise people in terms of match bets for the tour championship, knowing that they could be starting in different scoring positions? Yeah, so FanDuel has clumped together guys who are close in proximity with their scores this week. So real quick, I'll take McElroy over Dustin Johnson. Rory minus 108. I think that's the better play. I will ride that ball striking. Sung J.M. minus 108 over Louis Oosthuizen. Again, back to the injury concerns with Louis. Sung Jay is riding big-time momentum. He came from the outside and then inside the top 30. So that means he's playing really, really well in the immediate. And then also Abraham Answer over Cam Smith. Answer plus 112 over Cam. Abraham is a premier par four scorer. And then Cam Smith is starting to fake just a little bit. So I will take the plus money on Abraham Answer this week. And those are my plays in terms of the matchups. How much are you going to look at a lot of these golfers and take what you've seen and bring it into the Ryder Cup, or does it not really matter to you? Well, I know that Steve Stricker will be watching big time this week before he makes those captain selections, guys. So a lot of guys are still sort of on that bubble. And so there's motivation for somebody like a Daniel Berger, who is even par as we stand, but yet needs to impress Stricker, right? So we know he's not going to win this thing outright when you're factoring in the starting strokes, but he has incentive to go really aggressively this week, fire at flag sticks and see what happens from there, right? So that's certainly something that we will be watching as the Ryder Cup comes. Cam, you've already told us Team USA for the Ryder Cup in about 45 seconds here. Has anything altered your thought process as we get ready for whistling straights at the end of the month? Certainly nothing on the golf course, guys. But for some reason, everybody hates each other on the American side of things. Bryson's whining to Patrick Cantlay. Stop walking in the fairway. Brooks and Bryson don't like each other. Everybody hates Patrick Reed. So, I mean, in terms of the locker room component, I'm a little concerned about that then. But aside from that, what's going on on the golf course right now? I still love the American team. And I'm probably going to ride them through as the Ryder Cup gets going. Here's what we need. We need Cam to go to the Ryder Cup team, Team USA. He needs to do some team bonding. That's what you need to do with them, Cam. Forget about your exciting Labor Day weekend. Go help the golfers. Cam <laughs> Rogers, thanks for coming on with us. We'll see you again next week, and thanks so much for your handicap. You got it, guys. Take care. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Breaking news just now from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Gotta love NFL season. The Saints-Packers game has officially moved to Jacksonville. So it's going to be a neutral site oh. between those two. We will see how the line moves. Haven't checked yet. It was Green Bay minus three on the road at New Orleans. That game getting moved because of Hurricane Ida. We will talk about it more tomorrow. But now we do have to get to our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. I never really give out money lines. However, today I am giving out the Tampa Bay Rays on the money line. 
I actually got this at plus 106 early this morning. It has already moved to minus 116 on the raise. I couldn't believe, and I never bet money lines in baseball that early in the morning. I couldn't believe the Tampa Bay Rays were home dogs against the team in the Boston Red Sox that they are 7-1 and straight up against this year when playing in Tampa. 5-0 and in the second half of the year in Tampa. Also, this is an overreaction to Chris Sale, at least for now. Sale played the three worst teams in the American League. Did he look good doing it? Yeah. Doesn't mean that against the best team in the American League that he's going to do the same thing. Also, Tampa Bay, they have the best bullpen ERA in all of baseball, the third best in the last two weeks. Boston, 24th ranked ERA out of the bullpen the last two weeks and dealing with a ton of COVID issues, especially to that bullpen. Give me the raise on the money line. Ben, what do you got? Listen, Ariel, I'll make this very simple. It is September 1st. It is the month of football. We have a college football game tonight that begins six straight days of college football. Jacksonville State and UAB. The Gamecocks of Jacksonville State are a 16.5-point underdog. We are taking the points in Jacksonville State. They have enough offense led by their quarterback, Zarek Cooper, to keep up with a good UAB defense. And UAB, although a very good team, one of the favorites to win Conference USA, more so relies on the ground game. They are not an explosive offense. Two great running backs in Dwayne McBride and Jermaine Brown Jr., but I think this game stays close. Jacksonville State plus 16 and a half for my best bet of college football week number one underway tonight. Jack's on the other side. He's taking uh, the minus 16 and a half because he says he's never been to Jacksonville, Alabama. That's his reasoning. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time here on the grid. Good luck to your bets tonight. <laughs>